What's up, everybody? It's Jackson. Today, I've got a special treat for everybody on the podcast feed. If you were unaware, I recently uploaded a video essay to the No Nerds Allowed YouTube channel all about dissecting the idea of Marvel movies as military propaganda. I'm very proud of it, and I'd encourage anyone to go and watch that before listening to this podcast. While I was producing that video, I got the opportunity to sit down with Scott Thomas of the Infinity Podcast, of the Best Picture Is Podcast, and the Patrick H. Willems YouTube channel, among other things, and we got to talk everything Marvel, military, propaganda, all sorts of stuff. It was loads of fun, and I'm sure you'll think so too, so I'll let you dig in right here, uh, right after I asked Scott the first question, which was, when was the first time you were made aware of military involvement in Marvel projects? I think the, I think the moment it crystallized for me was Captain Marvel, and that had to do with the Air Force's involvement, but also the, the uniform, right? You, that is such a moment where the Air Force influence crystallizes around the way Carol Danvers becomes a hero, and that one-to-one -one had never happened before. And that's when I saw the discourse pop up and when I started to think retroactively, okay, are these films propaganda? And if so, are they effective propaganda? Because that's the question I always ask myself too is by my terms of propaganda are the ones that I'm used to using and learned. Do I walk away with a more positive view of the military from these films or a reinforced idea about say us foreign policy or right. the way the united states conducts itself overseas so mm -hmm. that's when the discussion really began for me and and loosely what my my term of propaganda is right i, I kind of go straight by the dictionary line as it were <laughs> right yeah um and so so I, i'll bring this up as i was watching a lot of these movies coming up I was really stuck. I still kind of am a little bit stuck on Captain Marvel because the the line between its representation of the U.S. military and the idea of military in a very broad, generalized way are very much kind of in conflict with each other, it yeah. feels like. Because, like, I don't think it's reading too far into it to say, like, that movie's about a person who's literally, like, brainwashed into military service by, like, a state propaganda campaign, you know? Yeah. To, like, villainize, like, a like an oppressed culture, like an oppressed foreign group that the, that the I don't know, planet, country, the yeah. state is at war with. Um, and I, I have to wonder, I mean, like you said, like, what is effective military propaganda? And... Is Marvel, like, it's hard to read intent, but, like, is Marvel trying to undercut it? Is the military aware of how they're trying to undercut it? Like, it's hard to say. So I guess what my question is, is, like, I've seen a lot of people make the argument that even though the military or, like, ideas about violence or war in general are sometimes, you know, criticized in the movies, what, to what extent do you think, that, you know, talking specifically about the movies that the DOD yeah. are literally involved in, do you think that the the DOD is aware of these things and moving on intentionally? Or do you think that they're just stamping off and leaving it there? I guess my answer is is sort of complicated and two-pronged. And my my larger kind of hot take on the way the military functions in these films mm -hmm. is it feels to me 
like product placement more than it does propaganda. What that means, though, is that sometimes it can either be incidentally propaganda or very specifically thought of that way. Like I remember a story about Iron Man where they changed a line and they changed mm. the line from they would kill to have what Tony Stark has to you would walk over hot coals to have what he has. Mm. And it's such a simple line on its surface. But that was enough for the DOD to say, no, no, no that connects to our technology so we need this in a positive light that is mm -hmm. the same thing that a company might do when they were looking at pepsi being placed in right or why chef boyardee had itself removed <laughs> from the seinfeld episode where kramer feeds a horse spaghettios and things go <laughs> right. wrong right all-time classic but in that way if the shape that they are molding the military into within these movies is in the service of misleading information or things that kind of scrub their image clean, then it either is or starts to approach propaganda. And I think right. that makes Marvel so confusing in that respect is that when Iron Man starts, it's in a very real world setting. As far as we mm -hmm. know, that movie is taking place in the real world with conflicts right. in the Middle East that have gotten blown up to represent super heroic proportions, right? right? Mm -hmm. That little bit of extra pulp juice on it that places it in the realm of comic books right and by the time we get to captain america we are aware that the universe we are in is one where there was a fantastical <laughs> world war ii right the nazis were chasing a cosmic cube and yeah there were crazy experiments being done on people <laughs> that, that gave them massive chris evans muscles and right right so the the there starts to be more distance from the geopolitical conflicts that would inform what you would think of as propaganda. Like I would say Iron Man hews kind of close to being military propaganda. And then we lose the line a little bit because we're off in a world that is not necessarily our own. And we don't know what military we're boosting. And the right. aim of each Marvel project, it, it, it's that one where like it, it both involves DOD funding, but I look at Captain Marvel and I'm conflicted because the military in that movie could so conceivably be our own, right? Right. And Carol could be any Air Force pilot that mm -hmm. you walk away from that movie, you can look at the Air Force, at an Air Force ad immediately after seeing it, and draw a correlation between those two things. Right. And the fetishistic shots of the F-16, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, the, the way she draws from an Air Force shirt to get her logo. Like, that all does seem to go... I walk away from that movie thinking the Air Force looks cool, and I think of right. today's Air Force looking cool. It gets mm -hmm. it gets murkier when the world gets more and more fantastical, right. and you don't really know what institution is having a portrait painted of itself. Right. And yeah, I think a lot about I, – I think it was a Lindsay Ellis video where she's talking about product placement, about um, like the uh, – I can't remember which Transformers movie it is, but – the way in which Stan, whatever movie it is where Stanley Tucci's one of the bad guys, and he's yeah. like this like young millennial billionaire who's holding all these like Beats products all the time, and they're like it doesn't it doesn't matter what the context around it is, right? It doesn't matter how despicable Stanley Tucci is in that movie. It matters whether he seems like he has some sort of high status, whether he seems wealthy, whether he seems yeah. likable, um, and I that's that's sort of the way I'm you know drawn to think about Captain Marvel in the sense that it's like there are a lot of things in that movie that are that are very anti 
U.S. military in a weird kind of way. And, like, not yeah. literally, not, like, anti-U.S. military, but anti the actions and effects that the U.S. Yes. military has had in the last 10 years. Uh, but I think I think the U.S. military is more invested in just getting that image of Brie Larson in a bomber jacket <laughs> that right. they can have forever. Um, right. and, so and, and it just, Marvel seems like a conflict with itself, right? Because like, yeah, you'll, you'll see them do that. And then, like you said, it's there's the brainwashing element that is so part and parcel of the storyline of that movie. Right. Like Captain America fighting Hydra in the end of Winter Soldier sort of softens the blow of your government is fighting against you. But mm -hmm. at the same time, he's fighting Nazis within the government. And like, right. we have become aware over the last two years that like, there are people who he <laughs> pretty darn close to that. And that's You're what right. he's doing. And, and that, I don't walk away from that movie going, oh man, job in government, need that. Need that. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Boy, that made me feel absolutely terrible about right. the state of US government and what the United States is. Right. So, yeah, it, I, they're in conflict with themselves, and that's why I always wonder when the propaganda argument comes up, could this even be good propaganda right. if it is that? <laughs> right. Uh, I don't really know. Um, oh, another one of the questions I wanted to ask was, I wanted to, to narrow in on the idea of how has your opinion on this whole issue changed from that first moment where you were thinking about mm -hmm. Captain Marvel versus now as you've had time to process it. Like what was your knee jerk reaction when you heard it the first time versus what are you thinking what you're thinking more like today? I think my reaction to it was my, my knee jerk was a combination of two things. One, I was disappointed a little bit because mm -hmm. I don't know why I assumed at first that Marvel was different than other blockbusters. <laughs> right. Uh, because so many blockbusters take DOD money and mm -hmm. we would not have the Transformers franchise without right. BOD money, but you know, I, I I thought, oh, well, this is kind of tough. And then I began to ask myself, okay, well, what are you doing with it, and mm. what is it leading to? Because uh, I have a conflicted relationship to military service insofar as I've worked with a lot of veterans who have been kind of chewn up by that right. system, and family members who have served with kind of zero scars and and gone okay and I've, I've seen both sides of it and so where i think it's evolving with each show for me and arriving at something like falcon and winter soldier which i think is the opposite of military propaganda right makes me feel i don't know if better's the word but that marvel's relationship to this is evolving and right. and it may evolve project to project right it seemed yeah. like they were getting away from that with Avengers, with that Fisher, Iron Man three has a very critical point of view of, right. of the military and the government. And then in Captain Marvel, we're back to sort of that conflicted relationship where it very much seems to be product placing the air force. And mm -hmm. at the same time, it's talking about brainwashing and right. Falcon and winter soldier. We're literally dealing with the military as an organization that institutes an idea of supremacy in those mm -hmm. who take service so right. that, in fearing superior, they can be a little blind about their service and then discarded. And that is right. that is a really damning indictment of, right. of what that complex does to people. So mm -hmm. if all of that led to this, I ultimately think that's either more balanced than not or, or right. does a great amount of good. Yeah. Uh, but I also can't speak for every person who went and watched those movies and I right. don't know who signed up and... Uh, was in a traumatic military experience or yeah. or 
who saw that and and came home to have you know PT, literally have PTSD. You right. Know? It's 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 so hard to to parse out where the tendrils are, and I don't. My experience of talking to people has not been that Marvel movies are the things that get them into the military, but I don't want to act like it doesn't happen either. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm really happy to hear you say that because, like, as I've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially, like, those most recent two episodes, all that Joe Walker stuff, it, like, it really and truly feels like the most specific critique of military that Marvel's ever really gotten around to, you know? Yeah. And it makes me, it makes me think, like... I'll rephrase this in the form of a question. Sure. Do you think that the that Marvel's past with the military, even if it is very different project to project, the ones that the military is not involved with, how does that affect the way that you view how does let me figure this out. No, for sure. Some some Marvel projects are military funded and some of them are not. Does the fact that some of them are change the way you view the ones that are not? Or do you think that if the military is not involved, then it shouldn't matter? It's it's a great question. I think I think for me it, I'm interested more in what Marvel does now than the fact that they worked with them then. You know, mm-hmm. it's I was thinking about this today. The illusion of change is such a fundamental part and parcel of comic book culture, right? Stan Lee right. said, it's always going to seem like it's different, but we're actually going to get back to the same thing. Marvel can't really do that when the MCU because actors get older and right. issues change and social perspectives change. And what I think the, the great weirdness of the MCU experiment is, is a universe that is reacting to the world in real time that sort of acts like it has always been this way <laughs> right. since its inception. Yeah. And it's almost like the MCU right now is trying to answer for some of the work it did with the military vis-a-vis right. Winter Soldier. Does mm-hmm. it create dissonance within that universe? It absolutely does. And mm-hmm. and as Griffin Newman, who I was talking with today, said, that show is asking all the right questions, but some <laughs> of the answers might be blow our heads apart because we actually can't connect the A to B of them based on what's right. been filmed already. Right. I feel good that they're asking the questions and that we have a show that ultimately is wrestling with what that means in 2021 versus right. what it meant in 2008 or even 2007 mm-hmm. when it was in development. Like it, it kind of blows my mind how much the political climate has changed since Iron Man was made. And Absolutely, and and then like now you can look at it and use the the bad apple metaphor like kind of the system is never the problem in iron man obadiah (laughs) sin is a bad example um the the but like now it's literally the grc it's literally Mm -hmm. the military tribunal that made john walker the way he is we're actually attacking systems in this show which is right rather than an individual yeah yeah, yeah. In, in, in fact, all the villains are not really bad guys. They are all victims of institutions and supremacy having their mm-hmm. way and placing them into a position where they're in a war with right. either those institutions or manipulated into a war with someone else. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I want to be able to enjoy that show, and I do personally, because it feels like they're wrestling in real time. And, and that is... 
that is as much as I feel like I can ask of a company that has probably the largest corporate oversight in history between right. the the top brass at Marvel and Disney Plus. Absolutely. Like the idea that this show is existing on that network with this many people watching it, mm-hmm. uh, I'm so happy. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy people are in dialogue with this show. I think it's a really good thing. Um, and and one other thing I wanted to touch on, I just wondered if you had any sort of take about this. Yeah, please. Uh, the There seems, to me, I was trying to pinpoint what it might be between Captain Marvel, which was like two years ago, and Falcon and Winter Soldier now, who have such like broadly different views on this sort of thing. And one of the things that I could pinpoint was, in terms of like what's different at Marvel, just in general, was uh, that Ike uh, Perlmutter yep. was... Uh, I he wasn't fired, but uh, did he retire? I can't. Yeah, or step down. I can't quite remember either. Yeah, whatever it is, is no longer in charge of Marvel. I was wondering if you if you had thought much about that, or if you think there's some correlation between those two things, or if it was just something that might be happening anyway. I I absolutely do. I absolutely (laughs) do. And part of that comes from, and I know this is about a different issue, but I was I was trying to do a little bit of prep for our conversation and was going through the movies, and I happened upon a Shane Black interview that he did with Uproxx post Iron Man 3. It was for right. the nice guys. And in that interview, he talks about how the brass basically said, yeah, you can't you can't have a girl as the main villain. Yes, yes. We're not going to do that. You got to make it a man so we can sell more toys. Mm-hmm. And Ike was one of the main driving engines of that. And we know mm-hmm. that Ike had a viewpoint that was conservative to a fault. Like, I'm... Right. I, I'm not trying to even play left versus right. It's like Ike was right. a right in the wall, conservative, Trump supporting guy, hawkish on the military. You know, like right. those were his viewpoints. And those mm-hmm. have a way of trickling down, particularly when you are the one signing off on decisions. I I don't think it's a coincidence that when he leaves, we get a story not only from a BIPOC creator, but a story from a BIPOC creator that exists in and around the military in a way that right. is critical. That is that is a series of boxes that I don't think get checked before. Uh, in, in that, you know, like Black Panther still has the feel of being other. It's set in a right. fictional African nation, which is on one level incredible. It's an unbelievable act of imagination. Mm-hmm. It hits differently to do it within a heralded American institution. And I definitely think that doesn't get through on X watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, one of the last things I wanted to ask you, uh, is there any movie that you think is like of the, of the projects that already exist? um, Do any of them, because I was just so struck by watching the original Iron Man by just the weird dissonance of it where like the messaging of that movie seems to be like, like Obadiah Stane almost functions as like a stand in for Dick Cheney. Right. It's yes. like, he's this like corporate, you know, warmonger who's like perpetuating the war in the middle East. But at the same time, the military is completely not at fault for any of that. So it's almost like the yeah. military are just like the victims of <laughs> like yeah. corporate and, greed. And, and, and Tony just, kind of acts like the U S military, right? He just kind right. of intervenes whenever he chooses and like, right. and is meant to look like a badass for doing it. It's, yeah. And it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, if you were to put that on a political spectrum, it's like, 
Well, it's critical of, like, corporate America, and it's critical of, like, the way that, like, capitalism and greed promotes violence in our world, but it's also... We still do gotta blow up all those brown people in the Middle East, though. It's about <laughs> yeah. how how corporations are keeping us from blowing up brown people at maximum efficiency, you know? Like, yeah. so, my question is, like, of all these movies, do you think that the... The, the politics of them in that way, which of these movies do you think is are most tainted by sort of pro-military, quote-unquote, mm. ideologies? Now, that's a great question. And in typical me fashion, I sort of have two answers, which okay. is, I, I think, to me, the question is, is, is both, like, which is most tainted and which of those legacies leaves the longest impact in terms right. of, of, of the way it's tainted by military influence. If it's strictly which one's the most tainted, it's probably the first Iron Man. Right. Like, I, I, I think for exactly the reasons that you described. Mm. And the fear would be that you walk away from that movie not only with a, a more positive kind of, like, conflict-washed view of the military and being right. like, we're the victims here, but mm -hmm. you also walk away correlating that with Robert Downey Jr.'s unbelievable charisma. And, the, and, <laughs> right. that, and that your view of that gets inextricably linked from him and you go away with an association. And, and that is a way that propaganda can work, right? Where it, mm. it attaches your association for an institution to something that is entertaining or a right. persona and you don't think about some of the naughtier things anymore because it's mm -hmm. been inextricably linked to that persona. What's funny is that going back to that movie is a little bit like going back to a DMX album from 1999. Mm. Like, I did that when DMX passed last week. And right. the thing that lived large in my memory was the unbelievable persona that man had and the artistry and what he did for rap music. Go back and listen to that record. There are some things that get said on that that you're like, oh, that would not fly now and that is not okay. <laughs> right. That's objectively not okay. I haven't remembered any of that. Um, right. That may be different for some people, but that's also my experience with Iron Man. I really don't think anyone has a lasting memory of the way the military is involved with that right. movie. And so I, I wonder if the way it's tainted has really mattered. And I don't know what happened at the time, again, what decisions mm -hmm. came forth. But in terms of the ones that sort of have a modern legacy... And that's most tainted by it. Um, boy, that's a great question. I want to say it's Captain Marvel, but at the right. same time, at the same time, I'm like, it's not effective. Like, like, <laughs> right, like, yeah. It, and, and that's the that's the thing, too. That's the thing I always come back to in this conversation. Like, I think of, like, Michael Bay's 13 Hours. And right. I go, like, that is a movie that portends to take a critical look at American military soldierhood. But at the end of the day, you walk away from that movie looking at these men, these men who served, and they As are all movie heroes. stars. And these great heroes with the, the explosions behind them. And right. you, you're going, hell yes. You know, like so many times, <laughs> right. like, yeah, John Krasinski got buff. I can do it too. Sign <laughs> up for the military. I could like, be him. I could be him. Like, that is effective propaganda like, right i i did not walk away from captain marvel thinking about wanting to even wanting right. to be a pilot like mm -hmm. i don't think i don't think right. that movie even does the most effective job making flight 
feel like (laughs) right i was gonna say and that kind of comes down to just like is the movie any good (laughs) at the end of the day right right and so in that sense that's the one that i go and and i i can't speak to sort of the pervasive nature of that logo which is maybe the reason i think it's the most tainted it's so close to Mm -hmm. the air force logo and captain marvel was the number one halloween costume (laughs) or girls between the ages of 6 and 18 in 2019 and 2020 like that logo is out in the world we know exactly why it exists the way it does and so it is kind of burning itself into the back of our brain and uh, getting free airtime so in that sense i think the legacy of that one goes on for the longest amount of time i continue to go i remember the movies that push back at the institutions not the ones that don't and i don't feel like many people get to come to these movies and walk away being like yay tanks but (laughs) right but i also am ready to be proven wrong because uh how many people have been like you know who a badass is john walker and i'm like oh i don't (laughs) think we watched the same show that we did (laughs) yeah and that's that's the other thing is like the 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 discourse around falcon and winter soldier online has been so horrible consistently yes. like all the time and it makes you sort of realize that like you know for people like you and i who like think really deeply about these things you'd be like well what is the saying what is this actually about but for a lot of people it doesn't necessarily come across the same way just as evidenced by the way people are talking about joe walker in falcon and winter soldier john walker yeah. uh, it's just so it's complicated and it's hard it's hard to get a read on what the cultural temperature is just you know from the people you and i interact with i will never forget that there are and we're still people who think the colbert report was a sincere program that that was not colbert in character at all and that when he left and went to late night it was like wait but i thought you were no 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 (laughs) so that means there were people who were very much watching that show um you know a little tuned out going ah this is serving up what I want, it has the flag, it has right. this host, it has these things, and thus it is what I desire. No, there's a rung under that that you have to peek at and see what the show <laughs> right, is actually yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. But we we can't um, teach people to watch shows differently. We can encourage right. it, we can look at it, but our hope is that people will do the work of being critical about what they're watching and give right. it a certain amount of thought. And I think, I think the the other responsibility that a company like Marvel has is to think about each thing it's bringing into the fold. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that by and large, they've gotten more thoughtful. Um, Mm -hmm. It hasn't always worked, but I think the, the way those discourses play off one another has been more thoughtful over time. And you can see Avengers as a turning point and Iron Man three. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and my next question would be, of all the Marvel projects that are not military-funded in any meaningful way, you know, all through that, like, Phase 3, your Guardians of the Galaxy, your Thors, like, all these sorts of things, do you think that their relationship or lack thereof with the military outside of that plays a meaningful role? This is just a matter of opinion, but do you think that that plays a meaningful role in the way that those other movies are, are made in order to maintain some relationship should they want to go back later my my instinct is yes and i'll give the thor ragnarok example which is to say that like 
I, you and I very critically look at these projects and we think mm -hmm. about them and we want to look at the layers. And I am fully guilty of having not given Thor Ragnarok the credit it deserves at first because it was right. so funny that I got <laughs> really distracted by the jokes. But Thor Ragnarok is a movie that's about a, a civilization that has buried one of its deepest secrets, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, most deep mistreatments that rises up to kind of say, you're going to be held accountable for what you did. Right. And the heroes decide that it's better to start over. Like to right. say, yeah, this we can never undo the actual root of this. Right. And we are a people. We are not a place. We, mm -hmm. we should divorce ourselves from the land in which this happened. That's made by a guy from New Zealand, a country mm -hmm. that has a very complicated relationship right. with very similar things in, in, in mm. its history that's an unbelievable story and right. an unbelievable thematic point of reference and thor ragnarok was not only a hit it was sexy it was funny it's... it was <laughs> right all it, it made telling a thematic story like that in the marvel cinematic universe feel like a profitable thing like the thing that you wanted to do like right. a thing that you could sell to people and so i think it won't be my hope but i think it's also my thought is that when these relationships strike back up again, they those movies create a little more leeway for the kinds of stories that can be told. Like, I don't think right. there's much military involvement in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I don't right. think you get to Falcon and Winter Soldier without Thor Ragnarok. And right. I don't think you get the participation of a... Participation, that's a word. <laughs> the, the participation of certain talents, of certain people who... Other people who might be funneling in money. You right. know, um, they all contribute to the whole of how organizations get involved or how funders get involved. And so mm -hmm. I think in that way, there's a reciprocal relationship for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. And great. I mean, just before we wrap it up, I would be, uh, I just would like to ask if there was anything else that you were hoping to be able to say when you were here that you didn't necessarily get a chance to. Um, you know, like since we mentioned Falcon and Winter Soldier, the thing mm -hmm. that I want to say, cause I feel like I haven't seen it enough in the discourse is mm -hmm. if if you're interested in the discourse around that show and you've been participating in it, I actively engage, uh, invite anyone who's listening or watching this to um, to read uh, BIPOC critics writing about the show and, right. and veteran critics because mm -hmm. I think there are some really specific stories being told. Uh, right. And the show doesn't code as as like a, a distinctly BIPOC show, even though we know Malcolm Spellman is involved. But it's right. it, it's got... I mean, we're talking, it's talking Tuskegee. It's talking like some right. really important stuff from history and getting a syllabus for that, I think helps a more critical read of that show as does uh, a read on sort of like the veteran experience. Um, there, there's some very specific sort of lingo and language that John is using, that Sam is using, mm -hmm. that relates to things that vets go through when they, when they come home. Um, from a war and haven't had the opportunity to process. And so I think those are just, it's a great way to to tap into some of the things that the show is doing well. It's its not doing everything well, but I think those right. things it's doing very, very well. And mm -hmm. it's, I, I've had my life enhanced by listening to some of them. So like off the top of my head, Vice Veticus on Twitter, um, the Midnight Boys who are doing uh, instant reactions on the ringer uh, into the ringerverse, just crushing it across the right. board. And uh, I think it's the Stefano DC, uh, at the Stefano DC, who's doing a ton of tweeting about the show and is so, so insightful. 
Okay. Well, great. I mean, thank you so much. And you know, yeah, thank you. Off camera, there, there's absolutely no reason you had to come here and talk to me today. And I'm just, I'm a big fan of the podcast, so I, I really am excited to be here talking to you. And I am so happy with how this turned out. I think it went really well. Dude, man, it it means the world to me. Honestly, like this is <laughs> this is one of the reasons I pod every week is to right. make connections, and it it rewards all the work and time. And you didn't have to ask me, you know. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> right. So flattered to be asked, and I go through the exact same experience when I'm asking people to come on my show. And the right. best picture is, I I 100% get it. So it's I I can't wait to see what it turns out, and it's just really cool that you're out here making content. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm a I'm most of the way through writing it right now. As Beautiful. it is, there's there's still lots of little bits and pieces I'm sort of piecing together, but yeah, hopefully I should have it out within the next month from now. Amazing. Fingers crossed. I'll I'll keep yeah. you updated, and um, yeah, I'll maybe I don't know if, if you wouldn't mind if I could just ask you a couple more questions, maybe some other time. Just yeah, over text. absolutely. Uh, yeah, if you're to keep in touch. Out, let me know. It's I I am never tired of talking about this stuff. Like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, as evidenced by the weekly show. Yeah, exactly. And and this was great talking with you. I'm really excited to see what you do with this and how it turns out. Perfect. And just uh, while I'm still recording, do you want to do your yeah. own plugs? Do you want to do your sure. own shows? Absolutely. Um, you, if you enjoyed these takes and want to hear more of them, <laughs> not only for myself, but two unbelievably intelligent co-hosts, you can listen to the Infinity Podcast with myself, Patrick H. Willems, and Rachel Corky Shank. I also have a podcast called And the Best Picture Is, which is an attempt to be overly positive with film criticism, even when the film doesn't deserve <laughs> it. It is... Roy, Cherry was difficult. We, we really tried with the movie <laughs> Cherry. Uh, and... You'll see what I mean if you listen to the episode. And then um, I did a show last year called I Know This Much Is True with the MCU's Mark Ruffalo, and I'm very oh, proud really? of it. Yeah, just one scene in episode two, but he was great. I think the show has a lot of interesting things to say, and uh, Derek uh, Seferenz, who directed it, is an unbelievable guy. And so if you need something that's very different than the MCU and want to see me um, <laughs> take photographs of Mark Ruffalo's private parts... Look no further than <laughs> HBO's I Know This Much Is True. Um, it's a great show. Okay, well, awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and stop all the all the recordings. Beautiful. And um, just thank you so much for talking to me. And I'd love to, I'd love to keep in touch in whatever way is possible.